Welcome to the Scaling Japan podcast, a podcast about how to grow your business from $100,000 and beyond, and beyond in the land of the rising sun. Welcome to the Scaling Japan podcast. I'm your host, Tyson. And we have Haruka on the show today. Haruka is an early stage startup investor and venture analyst at Plug and Play Japan. She will explain some of the mysteries about early stage investing for startups in Japan. And I actually first heard about Haruka through the Monday evening startup chats for business on business in Japan on Clubhouse. And we'll have a show link to that. And I definitely recommend you check it out. But Haruka, could you please introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, everyone.、Uh, my name is Haruka, half Taiwanese and Japanese, born and raised in Taiwan. Before I joined Plug and Play, I was an investment banker in one of the Japanese、um, investment banking firms. And、uh, yeah, I joined Plug and Play a year before, and now I'm an early stage investor. Thanks for having me. Awesome. We're glad to have you. And、uh, we hope you can explain some of the mysteries of early stage investing for our guests. And、uh, this month, we've actually had、uh, several guests to talk about investments. So we've had one guest talk about how to go about it if you're a non tech startup. And the other guest talked about how he went from seed stage to series B. But for today, like, I wanted to help the audience get a pretty good understanding of early stage investing. But yeah, so I guess first off, like, how did you really get started in early stage investing? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. When I was a student、um, in Waseda University, I have always been interested in the ecosystem because I did a couple different internships in startup at the time, you know, after graduation, even. Even when I studied in the States, I did internship、uh, with angel investors. And being a, a venture capitalist has always been one of the things on my checkbox for my life. While I was still in banking, one day I just saw the,、uh, the JD of Plug Place、uh, investor role. So I just applied, and luckily I got the role. And then, yeah, I just, I just joined. Yeah, it happened all so fast. <laughs> oh, wow. Cool. No, I'm glad it. Ended up working out for you. And、uh, for the audience, JD it means、uh, job description. Yeah, so I think today we'll talk about early stage investment. And so we talked about、uh, friends and family、uh, with another guest this month. And the other stages,、uh, we've talked about angel investment as well with、uh, Yuki Shirato.、So、I guess today, like, yeah, pre seed, seed, pre series A, series A, there's all these different terms. Could you illuminate some of the mysteries? For our guests. Yeah, sure. Where should I start from then? To give everyone a replay, let's start from、uh, angel investment. I am mostly、uh, looking for startups from seed stage to pre series A, but I mean, personally, I, I do have a lot of contact with startups that are also looking for angel investors. So I guess. For each stage, startup is totally different. And it's not only about the amount of money that the startup for each stage are raising, but also the range of valuation and the, the condition of the, the product and how many tractions they will have starting from angel stage startup. So I will say 
normally when you have an idea and you said you guys you want to have a business angel investor will probably be the one that you will want to look for for your first rounding so for the features for these round will be especially just right after let's say you register your company and however you still haven't gotten any things on track which means that you only have your idea and you're just planning to start out of your plan or starting building up the service and at this stage you are about to getting the money from someone for you to support your your company to build up the the product so mm-hmm. to summarize it would be so angel stages uh, you have an idea so let's say the idea seems interesting it seems plausible but you do need some uh, money to get it off the ground yes yes i will say for angel stage the reason why it's called angel stage is because you know most people well do fundraising from angel investors and angel investors are quite different from the other investors for different stage because angel investors do a lot of hands on support from in the beginning once they invest in you they will give you a lot of advice i did hear this uh, features about angel investor like differencing between angel investors and vc is that because angel most of the angel investors that they do have past like entrepreneurship experience or they should be like either ex uh, startup founder or ex vc etc so with that being said they have this tendency to give you more true uh, opinion compared to vc that's why you know sometimes like having one or two angel investor can be really beneficial for a early stage startup you don't necessarily have to do fundraising from angel investors but it's definitely some kind of investor that you would like to look for if this is your first time doing the startup business as for the amount of fundraising i will say in japan for angel investors it can be either from around 0.1 million which is um 100,000 to 1,000,000 so 0.1 million to 1 million yen gotcha so i guess $10,000 mm-hmm. to $100,000 right yeah and the post valuation can be around 3,000,000 to 1,000,000 gotcha yeah so 300,000 yeah. to 1 million yeah somewhere around that Yeah also for the audience angel investor is usually an individual or you have a syndicate which is a pool of individuals with our previous guest Yuki Shirato he managed a syndicate where he pulls in the money from various people and they invest in the angel stage whereas a venture capital it's more they call it institutional investors which means that in many cases let's say like UFJ or Nissan they give money to this group or entity to invest money on their behalf to startups and whereas an angel is usually a former startup founder or just a high net worth individual who can invest in your company and like Haruka said they can bring in expert knowledge and in other cases they can also bring in uh, introductions that you need right exactly yeah so was there anything else about angel investment that maybe i've missed or that we've both missed so for me i do get a lot of question from startup they don't know where to get contact from angel investors 
uh, I'm assuming Yuki probably answered that already. But yeah, I mean, in, in Japan, if you are looking for angel investors, there are a couple of different websites that you can look for. It's all in Japanese. So you might want to understand Japanese before you try to reach out to most of the angel investors here in Japan, like Angel Port. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you know the names of the sites? And uh, we can link to some of them in oh, the show notes. Yes, it's called Angel Port. This is the most popular one. In Japanese, uh, we call it Angel Porto, and in yeah, in English is A N G E L P O R T. If you uh, look for that on on Google, I think Thanks. the first website that's gonna pop up will be the one. And yeah, it's HTTPS. A N G L dot J P. The website link seems a little bit different from its name, but yeah. Oh, thanks for clarifying that. <laughs> cool. Then I think it's next we can move on to maybe the pre-seed stage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is my uh, sweet spot, I guess. Um, pre-seed can also be angel round. If you do a round that only from some individual investors, you can definitely call it angel round. And if you do a pre-seed uh, round, for pre-seed round, the amount of found raise is pretty much the same as uh, angel round, but uh, it will mostly be from VCs. So I hope uh, everyone don't get it confused. The stages are pretty much the same depending on the amount and the valuation that you're doing, but uh, angel round can also be pre-seed round. So that's one thing I would like to clarify. Cool. Thank you for clarifying that. And yeah, so so pre-seed round is pretty much the same as, uh, yeah, the, the, the amount of money and the valuation can be the same, but there are VC that do uh, pre-seed round, um, so you might want to look into that but uh, not very many as far as i know in japan you don't necessarily need to do pre-seed if you can just do seed round investment and as for seed round investment there are way more vcs that are doing seed round which means that they would just give you like from gohekuman to gosenmayen uh, for your first uh, founding for seed investment there are a couple like very famous um, venture capital in Japan that, that are especially in charge of seed investing. Aside from plug and play, there is Incubate Found, and there is Anobaka, and there is also uh, <laughs> I know yeah the name they they change their name. Their old name was KVP, but yeah for branding they change their name to Anobaka. Uh, if you know Japanese. Um, it's that idiot, <laughs> if you want to translate that. And East Ventures, they're also a seed investor, very active in Southeast Asia. You know, for seed round, as I mentioned, the amount of money that you will be founding is somewhere around like 500 to Gosenmayen. And then the, the post valuation can be uh, somewhere around Ichoku to Gokuen. And uh, yeah, you might want to, you might want to yeah, so clarify it's, uh, that. Yeah. It's $50,000 to about uh, 500000 but the valuation of the company is, I think, uh, can you say the valuation again in Japanese? Oh, yeah. Ichioku uh, to Gokuen. Gotcha. So it's $1 million to about $5 million US as the Great. valuation of the company. 
So yes. essentially you'll be giving, and I guess what percent of the company would you normally be giving for a seed stage? I will say um, like normally around 10% would be ideal. I, I've seen some cases where they gave uh, like 20% in the seed stage, which, you know, uh, you might want to secure like um, around 10 to like 15 is fine, 20, um, okay. No, I've seen investors giving out like 30% at the C stage uh, or so, or even higher. So for your first and second round founding, if you, you really have to be careful that never give out too much shares at this stage, or you will have a big problem to do the fundraising for the upcoming rounds. Is the reason for that is because you, yeah, let's say you give up 30%. So in maybe like stage A or B, you would probably have less than half the company? Yeah, pre-IPO. So when you're at IPO, the number that we're always saying that before any company, at least for a series A or pre-series A, you will want to secure at least two thirds of the shares. So then you will have like enough control uh, before IPO, because if you want to calculate every time your, your dilution on each round, at least for pre-series A, series A startup, uh, two third of the shares, you got to secure two third of the shares at this stage. That's like the baseline that we will mostly looking at, um, I mean, like internally at plug and play, but yeah, I think it depends on the cases, you know, some cases is that let's say you started your company with your co-founder. So two people team uh, in the beginning and you decided to get 50, 50, uh, with each other. It's okay, but, uh, you might want to think about the risk that, um, in the upcoming round, there's any conflict in between you and your co-founder or you guys don't agree on decision-making, you will have to put a lot of energy on dealing with the decision-making internally. <laughs> and so if your goal at the end of the day is M&A for exit, 50-50, you might want to consider about the, the risk that, that can potentially happen in between the decision-making process. Like what you're listening to and ready to scale your company? Let Tyson coach you and your team to make the jump. You can find more information about our coaching and advisory services at www.scalingyourcompany.com. Now, back to our podcast. And any company who wants to acquire you, they're going to want to have a majority share. So if it's 50-50, they can't get a majority share and it's... Uh, it's too risky. Right. So we, with uh, nor normally when we look at the company, 50-50 um, wouldn't be ideal scenario for us to uh, consider. So yeah, that's uh, that's something you might want to be careful like before we, at the founding stage. Sometimes I do see like a, a team with three people <laughs> with three co-founders. Me and my teammates are always like questioning then uh, why do you need so many people in the early stage? And why do these people are having like 
more more percentage than the CEO. You know, those are the rare case, but um, I I do see some of the cases going on there. I know I'm a little bit off the topic, but uh, the shareholding is something really important that the VC will looking at will be looking at always. So think about you know um, is your team your number of team members is uh, proper or does the shareholding numbers make sense? Um, are you gonna lose your control of the company or not at any stage? And yeah. Yeah, those are some important questions. And yeah, even if you have the right product and at the right time, if you don't have the right team or the right uh, structure for the stocks or equity, that could break your company. Right. And I've also seen company, you know, um, like uh, Tyson mentioned, there's this startup that it was founded in a co-founder. So there are two co-founders. However, at a... It was around like pre-series A stage that they weren't on the same page in terms of uh, one decision. And so, you know, at the end of the day, one of the founders was saying that he is not going to continue this uh, business and he wants to get back the, the he wants to get uh, his shares uh, with cash. But as for a startup, at especially at, for early stage startup, sometimes you wouldn't even have like product and you wouldn't have traction you wouldn't have cash and that can be a really hurtful situation where you have to cash out the equity in order to pay some of your shareholders in the early stage and that's definitely not something that you like to face with so yeah could kill the company and uh, before we move to uh pre-series a I wanted to ask you, uh, so one common term we use, I would say in the startup, and I would say also like in corporate world is traction. But uh, what is the definition of traction based on your experience here in Japan? Uh, I will say for um, for us, I mean, for, for Planpay, my company, traction is the record of, let's say, like the number of uh, your customers, and how much of money i would say like kpi sort of like kpi but your result of kpi uh, and so it, you're meeting your traction yeah so you're meeting let's say every quarter your kpis are increasing and you're hitting them and so right. I guess, uh, you're making good traction yes yes exactly awesome and it's a good term for uh, people to know if you're uh, listening to this podcast and yeah, so I guess next we can move on to pre-series A, please. Pre-series A is normally what we call pre-series A is that um, you may want to do fundraising like, um, separately. Normally within this stage is that you have your product as a alpha or beta product and you are trying to find your product market fit within this stage. And uh, in order for you to do that, you will want to do fundraising. And amount of fund uh, raised within this stage would normally be gosenmon, uh, uh, yeah, somewhere around gosenmon or ichokun. Uh, but sometimes it can be more than ichokun. But yeah, like somewhere gosenmon to ichokun. Gotcha. So five hundred thousand uh, US, or what's yeah, to around uh, one million US or. I guess in yen, it would be uh, 50 million yen to about 100 million yen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm correct. I'm pretty sure I'm correct. 
<laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I always get confused about this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, so, post valuation so it can be somewhere you know, sangokuen to jiuokuen, or it can also be like gookuen to jiuokuen. Gotcha. So the valuation, <laughs> uh, I'd say, maybe five to ten million, or sometimes three to ten million. Three, yeah, three to ten. Pre-series A is the stage where you, because Tyson just mentioned traction. In C stage, you will almost have no traction, or you may have traction in C stage, but not a lot of traction, and most of them can be free traction or like free, let's say free POC for pre-series A. Um, and, uh, sorry to confirm, POC means proof of concept, right? Yes. And could you define proof of concept uh, more specifically for the audience, please? Oh yeah, that's a good question. So normally it can be a short term of project in a limited amount of time that you will have your customer try your product within a short amount of period. So normally it can be within like three months or sometimes depending, it can be like around six months, but it wouldn't be like years if you're a software company or you can, you can also be like a couple of months within this period, you will have your customer sort of like a trial period that you have them uh, try your product. And the goal for you to do POC is that you will want to get the feedback from your customer to understand whether your assumption for your product is correct and whether your product does solve the issue that you want to pursue at your startup. So that was an excellent explanation. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, plug and play. In plug and play, we do a lot of POC. So getting back to pre-series A, I guess, uh, this is the stage that you will start to do POC and trying to find out your product market fit. As I mentioned, you will get feedback from your customer. So you will start to understand whether there is a specific need for like in the market once you pass this uh stage that you, once you get product market fit all you will have to do is only to scale up but in within this stage if you notice that your product or the assumption that you made is incorrect from the feedback that you got from the potential customer then normally this this can be like one of the biggest timing that you will want to think about pivot your business. Sometimes it can be a different business model or sometimes it can be changed 100%, but this is a very essential stage that you will want to spend a lot of energy on. Yeah, yeah the pivot and it's, uh, <laughs> if you are lucky enough to get a pre-seed or a seed round, it's uh, you do have to be careful with your cash and they call it runway. It's like kind of like an airplane, let's say, right. taking off. Mm -hmm. And if you go past the runway, you you're, you crash. You have to be careful with your cash because there's a good chance that, let's say, you might not have uh, the product that you make does not solve the problem that you thought it was, or people are actually, they don't need that solution. And so you kind of have to change the, the business, the product itself. And if you've used all your money, you don't have any money left to spend the three to six months needed to make a new pr proof of concept to find that product market fit. 
that can lead to the next stage of investment. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think for the audience listening, uh, at least in my case, I'm more from a traditional type business where it's uh, from day one, we had product market fit. We were a language school that uh, basically charged, I would say probably one third the price of the big schools, but taught for around uh, probably the same quality of lesson. And so in our case, it was pretty obvious that uh, we had a market fit. So uh, in our case, we didn't need to raise capital or other businesses like a language school, a restaurant, or hotel. These types of businesses normally don't attract seed investment or let's say angel investment or investment from uh, venture capital. So what I mean by saying that if you open up a hotel, you already know people want to stay in it, hopefully. Or if you have a restaurant, you know people like to eat food. So if you open a Mexican restaurant, you know people like Mexican food will eat there. But when you create a startup, in a lot of cases, you're creating something that has not been proven or maybe not been proven in Japan yet. And so that's why we're talking about coming up with a proof of concept then getting money to grow the business, to expand on it. Because to create new software or to create something new technically, it costs a lot of money. And so that's why you need to continuously raise money to expand the business. Right. I think Tyson just mentioned a really uh, good point in terms of what is the difference in between startup business and um, some other business. So for VCs, our ultimate goal is to generate return from our portfolio. So with that being said, we are always looking for companies that can be high growth company. That's why the idea or with the new kind of approach that can uh, be game changing. Those are the kind of uh, companies that the VC would like to invest in instead of like hotel or restaurants. They, it can be a business. You can still earn money from doing hotel and restaurant, but it's not a game changing business model because everybody um, has already been doing it for long. Oh, and the advantage of being the first mover. So the first company who breaks into that market. And I think the easiest example is like Uber versus Lyft, where Uber has a much bigger market share than Lyft. They're the ones who went internationally. And so that's why they're putting all this money, all this capital into startups because they want them to capture the market. And uh, rather than waiting them to, uh, let's say, make enough profits to self-fund themselves, they don't have that window of opportunity. They need to move faster and block out other people from entering. So that's why there's all this big money being poured into it to grow faster than what is normally possible. Right, right, exactly. And uh, in my experience, like we doubled in size even in the Oku stages as a bootstrap company. And so, but that was, I think we were kind of a rare case to grow that quickly. Yeah, yeah. So most companies, they might, maybe like they might uh, 1.5x or 1.2x, but with uh, our case, we're lucky to even make it 2x, but when startup cases, sometimes it's 3x, 4x, and 10x. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, mostly depending on your founding strategy and、uh, how you want to approach investor, which is another huge topic, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that that would be a whole separate podcast. <laughs> But、uh, yeah, so I think you talked. I think you talked a pretty good amount about、uh, pre-seed, seed, and pre-series A.、Uh, any chance you could share kind of like a little bit more information, maybe about metrics that maybe a venture capitalist or a Maybe pre-seed, seed stage、uh, investors、mm-hmm. look at. Yeah, that's a very good question. Before I reveal my opinion, I have to say there is no certain standard that we're looking into, especially for seed and early stage startup.、Um, you don't have product, or there is no way or like no certain number that can prove that you have like product. You have reached a product market fit. So instead of your actual traction, what we will mostly are looking into is the team. So whether the team is functioning and whether the CEO has a relevant background in the industry and the characteristic of the founder,、uh, whether he is willing to listen to advice instead of、uh, being stubborn, whether he or she is able to. Get the right people on the team, or let the team、uh, be like vibrant and understanding each everybody、uh, everyone's goal. The team and the CEO, the people, is one of the most、uh, important factors that we will be looking into. Aside from that, potential market is also something that we'll look into. The way that we're looking at when we look at the market, whether for this company there is scalability, whether there is potential needs, and is it nice to have? Is the product nice to have, or is it need to have? There's a huge difference. Whether there are a lot of competitors or not, whether the market is blue ocean, red ocean, the market、uh, factor is another. Thing that we will mostly look into. Well, last but not least, I will say the、um, traction. So I do understand that for early stage startup, it can be hard to have traction depending on your business model. But if let's say you're a two C business and you already have your app, let's say millions of downloads and the conversion rate of Like non-paying people to paying paid customer is like around like seventy percent. Those are the tractions that can show the investors there is actual needs right there. So those tractions can be one of the appealing point for us. So yeah, yeah. I mean, a normal company. Uh, so for the guests, it's uh probably just revenue growth and profit growth. That's pretty much how you look at traction, or that's how I would look at traction for. A normal business, but for a startup, like Haruka mentioned, it could be like engagement. In this case,、uh, they had a ton of downloads, and all of them are doing like a certain action, which shows that although they might not be making large profits or not be generating like amazing revenue right now, they're taking、uh, actions that would probably lead to, let's say, generating a lot of revenue. Right. Or that people at least need the product because they're using it so often, like Facebook, or I don't know the numbers, but someone was using this app like ten times a day. Yeah, 
yeah, any kind of numbers can shows how your users are, or what are you are like on the on the way of、uh, finding your product market fit. So if you have those traction in the early stage and it looks great, but normally depending on the business,、uh, there's no certain KPI. I have to say, but if it looks like you're Almost like finding your product market fit, then that can be something that's really appealing for us. That we will think that the founder understand what he or she is doing. I have to apologize to Haruka because I probably should have mentioned at the beginning to the audience that when it comes to startup, you know, like our capital venture investment in the startup world,、uh, I guess we'll say there's no dictionary of what exactly a pre-seed is. Like a lot of things blend into each other, and other times. Even like the common sense or like how people think, it actually changes over time. I think the big term right now is like go-to-market strategy, but I think maybe ten, fifteen years ago, you know, that wasn't a common term. I'm not sure if it even was commonly used like five years ago. So a lot of these things, and I think things that we talk about now, it some parts may actually change in the next five years. Never know. Maybe even six months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I totally agree. I think it's、um, these words or these KPIs can always be changed depending on the evolution of the business model.、Um, you know, probably like ten years ago, we didn't have Netflix. We don't know what is SaaS,、uh, software as a service. We didn't have the kind of business model ten, twenty years ago. I, But right now, it's、uh, very common, and you know there's even specific KPIs only for SaaS company. So yeah, like Tyson mentioned, your strategy can always be changing, and there is no certain correct answer to your business KPI. Because I think yeah, when I was creating my company, I think there's just there's angel, seed, series A, but now there's like pre-seed, pre-series A. <laughs> it's always evolving. The terminologies change. But、right. yeah, I think this is a pretty good entry to, I'll say, early stage investment for the guests. And、uh, thank you so much, Haruka, for your time. Thanks for having me.、Um, my pleasure to join. Hopefully, I share some insights. Long and play, we we mostly invest in seed and early stage startup. So from seed to pre-series A and series A are within our scope. So if you have a business startup in Japan and you're looking for founders, always feel free to reach out. If you, if you don't have any questions about founding, you can always reach out for other business problems.、Uh, we're always happy to help. Yeah. And we'll link to、uh, the plug and play website in the show notes. And maybe in the future we can dive into Series A and somewhat later stage investment. Sounds good. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you.